Welcome to the Unusual Creatures Podcast, a podcast about the unusual creatures that fall in love, stay, stray, come back, and sometimes leave this insane business of artistry and show. Against all odds, our guests have persevered and told stories using their mediums of choice. Now, these are their stories and our stories. The incredible people who you might know by sight, whose names you may not recognize, whose work you've definitely experienced or will one day experience. Art is a ripple effect, and these artists' creativity makes a lasting impact. Let's hear more. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good evening, and good night, ladies, gentlemen, gender nonconforming humans. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Unusual Creatures Podcast, and my name is Jenny Gomez. And I'm the Thomas Dane. Hello. Oh my goodness. Hello, the Thomas Dane. <laughs> the Thomas Dane. You like that? <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like okay. it. It matches with your social media, the socials. Um. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We're, I'm, we're just, I'm just theme. as old as the socials now. I'm just, yeah, you know. There you go. We're going. There you go. The one and only. How are you doing this week, Tom? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm alive and kicking. And and summer is coming. I feel early uh, in the in in the Florida, you know. So um, it's getting hot. You know how much I love the hot. I don't. Mm, so, like, yeah. But other. No. But it's good. Um, I've been a good week. We're still here. We're still going. We're just. We're doing it. We're doing it. And I think this week is going to be absolutely sparkly. I cannot wait to talk yeah. to our guests. Yeah. You. You and our guests know each other quite well, so I will let you let talk a little bit about the amazing Audrey Martel. I will. First, I just want to say thank you for joining us, and please keep joining us and following us, and we'll get into all that too. Um, so this week, we have one of my favorites. When Jenny came to me in that drunken voicemail all those months ago and said, let us let's create art. Let's create art. When we put this podcast together, one of the first names that popped into my mind was like, I've got to get Audrey. But I wanted us to do like, I didn't want her to be one of the... <laughs> first guest because I was like, we have to make some episodes so she'll like us because I think <laughs> she's brilliant. Um, I met Audrey in acting class in Austin Pendleton's acting class in New York. I went in knowing I wanted to do this very specific scene and I don't know what happened. Uh, she went up. We bit, well, I sat next to her. We said hello and we chatted. The class started and she went up and did a scene and I was like, her. I want her. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this thing with her, <laughs> and then the magic happened. And so we'll talk about that. But Audrey is a very accomplished musician, and she's a writer, um, and she's an actress and a performer. And she comes from a family of performers, and has a family of performers. And she's a mother of teenagers, and she's just an all-around modern-day Renaissance woman. Ladies and gentlemen, the Audrey Martels. Hello, wow. Audrey. I, I'm the Audrey Martels? Oh, wow. I feel so, I don't know, important. <laughs> Not. How Good are morning. you? Good morning. Good How are you? Great, 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 great. Doing wonderfully. Thank you for, for asking me to talk. I, you know, I love to talk. So let's do it. <laughs> we, we, we find that with all our guests. One of the easy things with artists is like, once you just ask, like, hey, do you want to talk? Like, oh, yeah, okay. In life, like, <laughs> yeah, right. No one wants to listen half the time. That's, that's, right. that's, that's the beauty of interviewing artists is there's no, there's no lack of chatter. <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. We kind of know what we want to say. And when we have a chance to say it, hey, give me the mic. Give me the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start at the beginning, Audrey. Um. Give us some of your villain origin story. Where where were you born a little bit? Where are you from? And what brought you to the arts? 
Mm-hmm. I, I was born in London, um, and I came to the States when I was seven years old. So um, oh. what brought me to the arts? Gosh, I guess, the, I guess the arts is where every misfit finds their soul, right? And then I felt like a misfit having moved to New Jersey with a British accent, a little Jamaican British kid in New Jersey trying to figure out what America was back in the day. Mm. And um, um, very, very, very shy also. So uh, I started writing poetry as a kid because I didn't really talk very much. And then poetry led to songs and then songs led to singing. And um, uh, yeah, that's that's what led me to the arts, you- just trying to find my voice. It's so fascinating, you um, because you have no trace of a British accent. So did you did you purposely um, did you work on it to lose it, or uh, I, I think you do as a kid. Anyway, you know, just trying to fit in. I think I I didn't want to keep it. It's not that I worked on losing it, but I sure as hell didn't want to stand out in a way that the that the accent was was making us stand out. Me, and my sister, and my brother. Because we would get this bad attention. We were freaks in a way um, to a lot of the kids in this area. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't really understand what the accent was. I think they might have thought we were putting it on because they'd never seen any little black kids with British accents before. So it wasn't exactly popular. It wasn't a popular thing. And um, I wish I could say that, you know, I, I, I was so centered that I I owned who I was from a very young age. I was never that kid. It took me a long time to start owning the things that made me different and realizing that that made me, you know, that was my own special. You know what I mean? Yeah, Everybody yeah. has their own special. So that, it's something that comes up, I think, with virtually every guest that we talk to really? is that and I think that's fittingly why we, we called this podcast The Unusual Creatures. Um, you know, knowing that Tom and I always felt like freaks and misfits, but it seems like every single guest we talk to feels exactly the same way. So it says a lot about, about artists in general. Like we just feel like we're not necessarily part of like the big pack. And that's what makes our work, I think, so important because we have such a singular voice. So exactly um, it, exactly it. It's so yeah. fascinating to think that because now, like, I mean, you weren't into any British person, and it's like, oh, talk to me, please. I'm like, that would be like a superpower back in the day to think that you were like, oh, but and well, it sucks that in the climate of that time too, that people would over a voice like make you feel less than. It's sad. It's sad. Yeah. But then that's, that, that's that's children of that time too not being centered themselves or of any time. Of course, it's, yeah. it's, it's a journey. I mean, we where my mom and dad are Jamaican, and then they they my mom did a nursing training over there. And that's why we were born over there. My father um, followed her over there. They got married over there and started a life. And then she decided that America was the place to be. So reluctantly, my dad followed her here. And that's mm. why we ended up here. But yeah, I, I just feel kids are so tribe oriented. And if you don't fit into the what they're used to, they just automatically reject it, you know? And um mm-hmm. And we didn't have fashion sense. The American kids, I don't know, they're born with a sense of of style, a sense of the culture. And we were freaks. You know, we didn't know anything. We didn't, we didn't know anything. Like my, my sister would show up with a blue dress and red socks, and I'd show up with a red dress with blue socks. And we didn't, we didn't understand what the, what the joke was. You know what I'm saying? We just didn't have it. We weren't cool like that, you know? So. Yeah. 
Well, thank just, God you weren't because then you wouldn't be the artist you are today. <laughs> In a way, I, I know the silver lining. I know that. But it's also, it's also hilarious because Jenny, every, I swear every time you see this woman now, she is on point, honey. I would like, <laughs> she is, she is, I remember when, um, when we had met in class, but then when you came to my house for rehearsal and that, I'll never forget it, suede boots and a red leather jacket. And I was like, oh, this bitch is cool. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like you've come a long way, the audience. The hey, hey, I learned quickly. That's one thing about me, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So out of all this, you're struggling, you know, you're not struggling. You're trying to find your voice, writing yeah. poetry, writing songs. Um, so when did you really like double down and say, okay, I'm going to, this is what I need to do. This is the only thing that I can do. Um, this is, this is, this is me. Was it college? Um, mm. Was it, was it moving to a, 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 was it like living near New York? What oh. was the impetus to just like double down on this career? Well, definitely being close to New York gave my dreams some wings because I didn't have to move from Kansas, you know what I mean? And struggle with <laughs> homeless. I could take the 167 bus and find myself in Times Square in a half hour. So all I needed to find was the guts to do that and to be okay with not knowing anybody. I mean, nobody in the business that I really kind of dreamed about. First, I was going to be a nurse because my mom's a nurse. It felt like a safe place a safe place to play place place my bets um then i went to college and studied vocal jazz for a minute but i went from zero training to college level vocal jazz which was incredibly hard and like people would ask me so what's your major and i'd say vocal jazz and they'd crack up laughing because i was so shy and i couldn't sing in front of people so what the fuck what was i doing in a vocal jazz improv class you know what i mean it took a lot of failing. I always say this. It took a lot of embarrassing moments to finally figure out, well, if I'm going to if I'm going to be happy, I've got to figure out what it is I want to do and be okay with failing for a minute um until I got good at what I really wanted to do. And I think it took it just took doing some odd jobs after I dropped out of of college to say, fuck, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to work at, <laughs> uh, at Macy's. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, that's not my calling. So I gotta go, I gotta, I gotta silence a lot of demons. And so you um, didn't, you didn't do the, the normal, like the, so in high school, there was no like theater, doing the theater and musicals or singing, finding bands, or did you do any of that to like warm up or you just ran out? And, yeah, like, I'm doing this actually, actually, I have to call out my one choir teacher, Mrs. Sherbo, and I always call her out of group of friends on Facebook still. And literally, if I, if I, you know, when I tell people that I was the most awkward kid, they don't even believe me. I should just, just post some pictures and you'll get, you'll get the yeah, idea. I mean, seriously, seriously. But, but I like, I was the kid in choir that would never even talk, let alone sing. I was in the back and I'm just kind of doing my thing, you know? And one day Mrs. Sherbo needed a soloist and we were just, hanging out um, after school because there was no place to go. And we just loved to jam and she would play the piano. And she singled out my voice. Now, when I tell you, you know, most teachers, they're, they're so busy taking care of the squeaky wheel, the kid that's got it all together, the kid that talks, the kid that shows mm -hmm. off, especially in the arts, for her to single out this quiet little kid with the lopsided afro in the back, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I had an afro that wouldn't stay up. It would just like... <laughs> And I was singing Oh Holy Night, 
which is, doesn't sound like the coolest moment, but I hit the high C that you have. That song is, a, yeah. A high F, it's a beast, you know? And and she said, you're getting the solo. And, mm. it, and then she presented me in front of the choir the next day, and it was literally the first time I sung in front of anybody, and I'm singing in front of the peers, some of whom bullied me a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, and I nailed it. Like, I don't know, something happened and I nailed it in front of them. Yes. Here's, here's how the story goes, though. I nailed <laughs> it in front of them. They applauded. I had this moment of finally being seen. I cannot tell you mm-hmm. how crazy this was because I didn't really demand to be seen. She singled me out to be seen. And I did well in front of them. But then comes the night of the solo. <sighs> And now I've got to do it in front of an audience. And when it comes to hitting that high note, I cracked so loud in front of everyone. So, and I kept singing and I was crying. It was like the worst moment ever. And I kept singing and then the audience gave me a standing ovation just because I kept going. Yeah, But they saw how how devastated i was and they saw everybody you know i had to walk back to the choir and finish out the show it was the worst you know what i mean this is the wonderful thing about childhood if you can survive it um (laughs) um, all those years of being bullied for being kind of freakishly odd allowed me to be able to um survive an embarrassing moment like that Mm -hmm. and somehow in the midst of all that crazy, stupid drama that I created, because I'm the one that cracked, right? I mean, out of my own nervousness and feeling insecure, I loved singing in front of people. (laughs) (laughs) So I somehow took that moment, got over it, and eventually, it took me a couple years, joined a band in Connecticut where I was doing like nurse's aid work because I was doing odd jobs, joined a band, and um, and sucked for a few years finding nice. out how to um, to sing in front of an audience, which then propelled me in a very ziggity zaggity zaggity way into being <laughs> an artist full time. And I'm making a very long story very short. A but, very a very compelling but, story, though. But you know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> if it wasn't for Miss Sherba, let's first of all let's shout it out to the teacher, to that, the teacher. Does, that doesn't overlook the shy kid that has nothing to say. I had I had one too, man. My drama teacher in high school, Miss Joan Benedicts. Miss Joan Benedicts. Listen, they are lifesavers for kids like all us. All of them, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and all of my art teachers from New York to Florida. All, there's too many to name. They all. I'm I'm not an artist painter, but Mrs. Krug, Congress Middle. Like who loved my shitty vases that I would make with Madonna on it, like you know, like she's like, you keep going, and like you know, like God she bless, saw your creativity, you know? you know, yeah, yeah, but yes, and just like your teacher saw saw your raw talent like right away because she was yeah. a good freaking choir teacher. Yeah, she saw it before I saw it. You know what I mean? And that that to me is why teachers should be paid gold you know oh, agreed when, yeah. when they're good ones you know what i mean they mm-hmm. they're not they're they're just they're lifesavers they're totally angels. yeah totally so so you're you know you're you're in new jersey 
Um, you're, Connecticut, you're, New Jersey. Uh, you're working up the courage to take the bus to Times Square. You're yeah. playing in bands in Connecticut, you said? Sucking yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, sucking a lot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day, there were just cassettes being played. So I, I hope that nothing shows up on YouTube. <laughs> but um, yeah, sucking, basically figuring it out, you know. Something I couldn't really do in college because it was too sterile a place for me. I needed to have audience reaction. I needed to have the freedom to work it out. And, um, and I needed to make a living at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. So I worked my nurse's aid job in the day, which I was really good at because I was taking care of kids who were bulimic and anorexic and like being, being a paid babysitter for them. Really loved that job because I, I totally, you know, connected to kids that were going through shit. Of course. Mm-hmm. Some of these some of these kids came from like really wealthy families too. They were just unfucking happy. And I was there to watch them, make sure they didn't hurt themselves and just to be a friend. But I I finally figured out that even though I was good at that job, unless I was one hundred percent dedicated to that job, I had no no place being there. You know what I mean? Mm. Right. So Which is such a life lesson for everybody to embrace and no matter what you're doing if if you can't do if you're not all in just know that i feel like that you're not meant to be there then like somebody else will be it's such a, that's such an important lesson i think like a broad lesson but you yeah, go on yeah i mean it doesn't mean that you can't help along the way and, and volunteer time and find a way to give back however you can but when it comes to career choices if you're hmm. the nurse that is just doing it for the cash, you know, you don't you don't need to be there. There's something else that's going to feed your soul. So that's what I did. I I, I finally quit my day job and started doing music um, full time. I, I don't even know how that happened. I just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like it was a gradual kids asked me today, like, how did you how did you find your way into being a full time artist? And I just kept saying I just kept trying to put the art first as much as I could. Were your parents and the family like happy about this? Like your mom who's a nurse and I know what your dad did, but like, were they like, oh God, or were they like, oh, good for you? Or somewhere uh, in between? To my, to both of my parents' credit, they were like, girl, if you could take care of yourself, do you, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, especially since I moved out of the house, you know, in my early 20s. So I, I was never a burden to them as far as, you know, the transition between like wasting money at college. That took about a year and a half before I figured out this ain't working out. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm in, I'm just getting in debt and that's spending my, my college tuition um, loans on, <laughs> things you know what i mean other than, <laughs> yeah. other than uh education uh, yeah education so you know once i moved out and just started to to take care of myself they were like you know figure it out and i had a sister that also was in the arts so she you know just just watching her trajectory she did it the the more um logical way which is graduating from college she went to Rutgers for theater and then she went on to to be an actor but college wasn't for me. So at least I I could see somebody was doing it. It was possible to attain a full-time career mm-hmm. in the arts and and watching her life kind of help me know that this is possible if you just if you just believe and keep going, you know. Yeah. And what what sort of so I'm curious too, what sort of you know, it was gradual obviously being able to do this full-time. What are the kinds of jobs as a singer? Um, and a performer that you were taking that were paying the bills? Oh, lots of weddings, lots of bar mitzvahs, 
<laughs> lots of club gigs where we were we were singing for tips. I mean, back in those days, I I would sing for free. You know, a lot I would do session work for free. And um, like uh, one of the first gigs that I landed was at the Village Voice uh, open call for singers. Man, show up like every hot chick in New York in mini skirts and high heels and lots of makeup was uh, lining up for shit jobs, you know, just to join bands yeah. and for opportunities. And most of which I didn't get because I'm not a great auditioner. You know what I mean? I, I'm still mm. that I'm still that nervous chick when it comes to auditioning. <laughs> But um, oh, can I can I interject uh, uh, cutting to after we met the day that she and I, which we'll talk about when 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 she and I did our scene for Austin, I met her at Ripley Greer where she was having an audition. And then we went over the material and we walked from Ripley Greer, which are, people don't know is like 38th and 8th and walked down to HB Studios, which is in the West Village. And I was like, so what'd you sing at your audition? And this one just belts out in the middle of 8th Avenue. Just this, this um, hallelujah, I love him so. And I tell you, people want to start throwing money. So I love that you think you're, I was like, because if that was your audition, I'm like, girl, how, you got it. Because You know, I, it's funny with artists, right? We have to, we have to find that place. I don't know about everyone. You know, some people that just don't have nerve, a nervous um, auditioning experience. I have a terribly nervous auditioning experience. And, um, and most of the gigs that I've ever gotten are because people saw me on stage actually doing what I say I can do, not being in an audition proving that I can do what I say I can do. Mm-hmm. So um, auditioning still sucks for me. Uh, it really does. <laughs> I mean, I'm just not good at it. I don't think you're alone in that. Yeah, I it's, a, it's it. a terrible I experience. <laughs> I hate the sterile environment. I hate three people behind the desk telling you to hit it and drop it like it's hot. With the you know what I mean? It's like it never feels authentic for me. But occasionally, I can push those demons out of the way, especially when it's something I've written mm. or that came from my soul or that really connects deeply with my soul. Um, those demons get silenced, and I just become a channel of whatever creativity is supposed to be there. But mm-hmm. if it's me trying to fit into a box, a, a role that really didn't have enough time to be off book for, and now I got to fucking read, da, 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 da. it's it's brutal for me, honestly. So <laughs> it is, it is, it still is, you know. And so when you're when you're in New York, did you do any bar, mit- bar mitzvahs too? I yeah. did everything, all of did them. You, I love. Like, Matter of fact, I still do when I'm not touring. <laughs> and somebody calls me for a wedding, I'm there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh like, my god, that's awesome. That's four or five hundred bucks in my pocket to sing for four hours, which I love to do, sing. So why wouldn't I be there? So, which is why so I'm how- not a starving artist. I have no ego when it comes to <laughs> still doing wedding. I don't care. That's, that's sure. cash, baby. So many of us give up because of fear, because of moments like that. Like all these people who come in, like you're not special. So they give it. So they gave up and went ahead and became, uh, you know, a, a Somalia, which isn't bad, but was it their dream? No. You know, exactly. could it, could could they have been? Yeah, it's. And in today's world, like, is anything definite? Is anything stable? So you may as well, you may Jeez. as well do what you love because everything else, they could fire you tomorrow. You know, the world can blow up. You know what I mean? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? You better, you better get some of you in while your lifetime exists. You know. 
Audrey, oh. I've been writing down so much of your I merch. I tell you, that's more merch, more merch. You know, I'm like, Audrey's got the merch. I think Audrey might have the most merch of every episode so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, and Audrey, what in, in this illustrious career, and we'll start sort of moving towards what's going on now, and I can't wait to talk about touring with Niall and, and your band. Um, what are some moments um, where you were maybe and, and and sort of riding on the theme of like just keep going and put yourself out into the world because it's what it's what fuels you and it's what you need to be doing. Yeah. What are some moments when you were like, I'm fucking done. Like I quit. This is too hard. And then you did like that one job that you're like, never mind, I'm back. <laughs> right. Well, there was a time when I was signed to a record deal with um company called DVA, Rick Wake, he produced Mariah Carey and Taylor Dane, a whole bunch of people. He signed me to his very new um, record label. And I was one of those people who's like, okay, this is it. They're going to put be, me right? in the it studio. Be, yes. They're going to put me in the studio. I, they want me to write, which I've always done in my heart be, with my poetry and whatever else. And I'm just going to be I'm just going to give it my all, which is what I did. I lived in his studio for years, <laughs> yeah. um, writing from my heart, uh, do, writing with anyone he would tell me to write with, doing some great work. You know, I I wasn't I wasn't urban enough to be the next Mary J. Blige. I was I didn't my look didn't fit a rock act. Um, I, they just couldn't figure out what to do with me and. And I was young enough and inexperienced enough to honestly not be loudly dictating to them who I wanted to be. So I'm not putting mm-hmm. all of the responsibility on them. I'm just saying things happen sometimes when you're not really ready. You don't know what it is that you want to do. And the very thing that I think is my my um, greatest gift is that I do a lot of different things fairly well. You know what I mean? But that can also lead people to say, well, who do you want to be? You got to decide, you know what I mean? You can't just come in here and just say you want to do everything. And I'm like, well, Why? I like singing rock, but I, I can do, I can, I can riff an R&B song pretty well too. When I write that song, it feels pretty authentically me. And I, I kind of love this ballad. And then I love that I was all over the place um, because that's who I am. I'm all over the place. But in a situation like that, they needed specifics. They needed branding. They needed this is mm. what we needed. Do. They needed something marketable. Marketable. Which radio station will play you? What is your look going to look like? Um, and I, I, I basically followed their whim. Like a, I had this blonde weave. <laughs> And I, I got. Please tell I got, me there are photos of this. I, there is actually somewhere in this room. I, I could show you. Wait, do I have it? No, I'll I'll find it by the end of this. And um, and uh, I got my face beat by this guy who was like the face beater of the stars. And well, face, wait a minute, what is face beating? I'm behind make, makeup, what? makeup, like done. Oh, like, that, oh okay. Lashes, I was like done, you know. <laughs> and they they took pictures, and I didn't even recognize myself. You know what I mean? It's not that I didn't look bad. I just I just didn't know who I wanted to be. You know, mm-hmm. and so I was taking these professionals' idea of, of what what was happening, and I was enjoying the process. I mean, who does, what girl doesn't like to? have their hair did and their makeup done and have a <laughs> photographer. But 
you know, you really kind of have to be that kid. And I wasn't so much a kid, really. But you have to be that artist that actually knows what they want before you're thrown into that that crazy world. And so it didn't line up. And at the end of the day, they ended up dropping me. They wanted to sign me as a writer. And I was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to stay with you guys because you've ruined my, my career. You know, in hindsight, I don't think they did. I just think they were trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure it out, but I needed to just wash my hands of it and, um, and leave. I ended up uh, a couple years later having a kid, which I thought, well, you know, I just got married. I'm, you know, like I want to have a kid. So I thought that that might be might be the end of my singing career because there wasn't a lot of singers that I know that had children, you know. Hmm. But I have to say, having my son, my first son, children are great bullshit meters. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I've heard made, that, yes. Yeah. It made me grow up. It made me figure out, okay, I still want to do this at the, the world of the arts, but I definitely am going to be a good mother and I'm going to take care of my kids. So um, I started being choosier about what I left the house for. I needed to be paid. I needed to show up. I needed to have a great, a better work ethic. Um, I wasn't going to leave the house and I wasn't going to leave him unless it was absolutely worth it. And um, I did a, a, a small tour in Europe backing up this girl. And I knew that that's not what I wanted to do. I, I didn't want to go on tour and leave my kid, you know, with my mom and with my husband. So I did that for like a month and I never did it again until <laughs> they were very, very much older. As, as a matter of fact, until now. That's why I say bullshit meter. Like I figured it out. It's like, this is yeah. what I want to do. This is mm -hmm. how I've got to do it. I've got to write more. I've got to write for other people. Da, 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 da. And, yeah. um, and in hindsight, the failure, which I, I perceived as a failure with a record deal, actually didn't launch me as an artist. But my songs that I was writing for myself with that company, with Rick Wake's company, he placed one of my songs with George Benson. He placed one of my songs with Randy Crawford, who was a wonderful, you know, Street Life. You know that song, Street Life? Yeah. yeah. He might be too young. But um, it started my songwriting career. Do you know what I mean? Uh -huh. So it was a failure yeah. in one sense, but it put me on the map somewhat as a songwriter. Uh -huh. and, um, and so with, a, you know, the lesson there, I guess, is with every failure, if you figure it out, what's working and what's not working, you can still make it work for you and. And, uh, and your your writing process. That. Do you do you um, prefer writing alone? You're like writing with somebody. Do you, you take it all, or I almost always write with someone because I'm not mm. a great musician. So a lot of times I'm writing with somebody who plays piano or who plays guitar. Mm -hmm. When I when I did my CD, I wrote with this wonderful guy, Matthias Gustafsson. We were both frustrated with the business the same way, and we just decided to write a bunch of songs. Which what turned out to be a rock record <laughs> because we were just writing because we love music, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just what came out. And um, and over the course of, if I'm keeping up with just a highlight quick of your the last couple of years, you've written a song and sung on it with Billy Porter. You just recently wrote a song with Joss Stone. Yeah. Um, and what what are some of the other people can? Because people want inquiring minds want to know. Well, they <laughs> want to hear Audrey Martel. Yes, do it again. <laughs> Isn't it funny with Billy Porter, who was signed to the same label oh. as an R&B singer? That's how I met Billy. 
one of my. I remember songs. back in the day, he has a, one of the, he's like a funny video when he's yeah. They, he I think was, they wanted him to be straight and stuff, and it was exactly. like <laughs> yeah. it was he was living the male version of my my not knowing who I wanted to be and what I wanted mm. to do artistically. They were trying to make him into that R and B swooner type of guy, and it, it wasn't authentically who he was. So it didn't work. But one, but on his first record, one of my songs, I'll Do Anything, he recorded, which in a sense I saw as somewhat of a failure on my part because I wrote the song for myself. Mm-hmm. And Billy was the, the train that was moving. And so they said, give it to Billy, which I did. Mm-hmm. Again, it, you could look at it as a failure or you could look at it as, okay, where's the positives of this, you know? Totally. And, I'll tell uh, you real quick, as what I've learned as a writer, that's what has been one of my big things. Cause I, you know, I was acting first and came to writing late. And I came, I'm like, I've got to be in it. 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 And if somebody's like, well, because when they did a show of mine in Miami and I couldn't be in it, I was like, oh, so they hate me. And I was like, you know, I was like, but what an accomplishment that my show was being done, you know? And like, so I can empathize. I I get you. Yeah. Yeah. You got to let go. We've talked about it with a couple guests too. Yeah. Like if you're not, if you're not able to perform your own writing, like is it, we've explored that topic, certainly with Allison on like episode four or five. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a feeling it, you know? Yeah. That that resonates. It's a concept that you have to let go of, just like the art. You don't know how it's going to be perceived. You just your job is to create it. That's it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you can definitely um, visualize where you want it to go, but where it goes is really up to the universe to decide, right? Totally, yeah. Yeah. Billy Porter, so a a wonderful um, journey for him. Like recently, it came full circle. Like when he recorded the, the last song that we did, he didn't even know I was the co-writer on that song. <laughs> he had decided to to record it. So you see how crazy this business is. It's like mm-hmm. you you just it just it it's an energy, a real live and and magical energy of creating art and on a leap of faith and watching where it goes. And that sounds really sappy and ridiculous to Nuh-uh. anybody outside of artists, right? Because when I tell you, I, do, I, I, when I, when I walked into the room with Billy and he saw me there, it was like, girl, you just don't know what we've been through. He was like telling our story and, and describing a similar journey to my experience because he was very frustrated there. And then all of a sudden he found kinky boots which is another crazy um, uh, moment of us living the same journey because I just fast forward to Kinky Boots for him. My son, my youngest son, played Billy Porter's character on Broadway. He was the understudy for that role. Oh, nice. Again, I'm at the stage door with my little boy, Cole. Cole Bullock, shout out. And he got hired as the understudy and I'm at the stage door. And that's when Billy realizes it's my kid. I mean, uh, you can't make this shit up. It, it's so funny. Cause people, I think we're indoctrinated. I don't think just artists, but I think America or maybe the world is like, you must get an education and education, the college and school is going to show you the blueprints. They're going to show you the yellow brick road. And that's how it's going to be done. So we look like freaks because it's like, there is no blueprint really. Like he uh-huh. went, Jay, gave up and moved to LA and then watched TV for a year. And then he became a TV writer because he was watching TV and he just had talent and yes. he just used his talent and his, his confidence or, you know, finding his voice. And you did the same thing. It's like, well, I dropped out of, and I'm a dropout. College dropout too. Shout out. And, like, <laughs> and so is Jenny. Yeah. Shout out. Hi. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> so, like you know, like and college is fine if it's for some people. It's but then great I, because when I get when I get down on myself that I didn't go to NYU when I could have, or but I was like, how many names have gone through NYU that we'll never know? Everybody's yes. not walking out of NYU with a career. No, you know, so it's like sometimes you're gonna find it. Yeah, and which so it's interesting. So I want to veer off um, for you. So 2020, the world is falling apart. The world's on fire. You know, we're in our second 2016. Everybody said, "Oh, this is the worst election cycle ever. It's a dumpster fire." And then we get to 2020, and <laughs> we're in the middle of a pandemic while we're doing it. Jenny's, you know, dragging bags of empty vodka bottles through her neighborhood. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, in a snuggly drinking champagne at you know. 10, 11 a.m. with my dogs. And Audrey Martellus is in her... This is how I envision it. Um, Audrey Martellus is in her suburban home in Jersey and her husband's in the living room and she comes out and she's like, Belden? It's Belden, right? Yes. Good, good you, I, For some reason, I see you in a fabulous Afghan and like hairdo and you're like, Belden, the world's falling apart and I'm going to create a rock band and then, I'll, <laughs> and then I'm going for world peace. And he's just like, okay. And then that's it. And then the Voxies are born. So get us to your rock. I was like, is, is that how it happened? Like how, how do you create an entire rock band in the middle of a world fire? Well, I can't take all the credit for it. First of all, um, it was a crazy time, you know, like, like let's really lean into how devastating oh, it yeah. was for all of us, you know, but it was devastating. For our souls, you know, literally, my son, his best friend, lost his his father and his uncle within 24 hours of each other. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, it was it was fucked sorry. up, you know, and continues to be. Well, it's better, but but um, it was a devastating, devastating time. So uh, my friend, who I do weddings with, he's got a wedding band. Uh, wanted to he's he's like OCD nervous. <laughs> he did it. He needed to get out of the house. So he said, you know, I want to just start an original project. Got any tunes? I was like, I mean, he only knew me like belting out respect at weddings. He didn't even know <laughs> a songwriter, right? Ironically, he asked me and I'm like, yeah, I have a couple songs. And basically it was so many of the songs that was on that original rock record that I talked about that nobody heard because I had my kid and I was busy buying diapers and didn't have money to promote you know so it was a, a cd that we both created but nobody really had ever heard you know mm -hmm. and I, I brought these songs to the voxies they weren't the voxies then we went through a million names that none of us loved and we finally just settled on the voxies because nobody hated it <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we started rehearsing like spending money on rehearsal time none of us making money just spending money rehearsal time and paying our musicians to show up because we felt bad for asking them to come, you know, and spend time with us with my songs, basically, and my co-writer's songs. In a pandemic. In a pandemic, right? <laughs> and we, literally, most of our rehearsals, we were singing with masks on and, you know. And this, <laughs> when, I, when I talk about it, I realize how crazy the fact that after after five shows we opened for Bon Jovi, how crazy that is, because it literally was just, just killing time, you know? And having fun finally hearing these songs that have been sitting on a CD that nobody heard live with real musicians and great musicians, you know? Again, it's like you create the art, it might fail with the concept of where you think that it should have been, right? Mm -hmm. Who knew that a pandemic was gonna happen and these songs, somehow found their One way day. back into a room you know what i mean and totally we have musicians that stuck to it long enough to 
get to gigging. And that took over a year, you know, of actually trying to get rehearsals together and everybody's busy or not busy. And, and then started to gig um, late last year. And, uh, and our fifth gig was Bon Jovi. Yeah, I was, I, I had a whole intro in my mind for that. Cause I was like, um, cause truthfully audience. So Audrey was supposed to be two guests ago. And, um, and then at the last minute, um, we got an email and like, oh, got to open for Bon Jovi. <laughs> like, <laughs> and how incredible that's in, I mean, that's so, well, so what was, so what is that like? Like you're in an, an arena in front of all of these, what, it, what is that feeling like? All these people, the lights, it, can you describe it for us? I've, we're... I've done arenas before with Niall Rogers, which is, and that was honestly my first experience playing for that large a group. And so after, uh, this is my second year with him. So I was a little bit more prepared than maybe some of our other members of the band. Um, but it's a real difference when you are singing songs that you actually wrote and, mm-hmm. and, and have that fear or excitement that people will get it. You know what I mean? Like they're going to get Nile Rogers. He's a badass. Everybody knows that, right? Will they get Audrey Martel's songs with the Voxies who they've never heard of? And um, and it's a rock band. I'm a black woman singing rock music. There's a lot of things that could go wrong here, you know what I mean? <laughs> but they, they welcomed us and it was a lot of fun and it was surreal. All I can say is, you know, I I, I feel blessed, you know, and I and I hope if there's some nerdy kid out there that doesn't fit in and thinks that their dreams are far too wild to be to make sense all i can say is if it can happen to me i'm not that special you know it can oh. happen to it can happen to anybody you know you just have to have a stick-to-itiveness that you work through your embarrassing moments and just keep fucking going you know well because i i wonder what is that i i mentioned this in a prior episode but like when Beyonce did the Super Bowl and then she did the interview with Oprah after. And I wonder about this myself because I had to, when I did my one man show last year, I remember that moment before, like, you know, like how, I don't know how you, I know how I did it. And then, then Beyonce said how she did it. Like, cause you know, cause Oprah was like, you're billions of people are watching. When is the moment that you're like, I just got to do this. And she's like, when the fire started, she's like, when the fire started and I was like, it's go time. Like, did you like when, even with Niall or when you were heading the Voxies last week with Bon Jovi, like, was there a moment where you're like, okay, all of that fear, I'm going to, it's what, when was go time? Yeah. I think go time started back in high school when I cracked on Oh Holy Night, you know, it's like, it's like it can't get get much worse than that. You know what I'm saying? So um, everything else, I, I, I reflect back on that moment, not even knowing what I'm doing. I don't realize I'm reflecting back on it, but I know that because I survived that and because I survived moments of, of feeling lesser than and like, you know literally bullied when I was a kid you know for everything you know because I survived that and I'm doing what I love now there's not very much people can do to me to stop me from going have, wanting that moment of doing what I love you know I, I figured that out a long time ago it's like fuck I, I survived that shit I'm, I'm doing what I love 
And if it doesn't work out, I know what that feels like too. And I'll be okay. You know what I mean? I'm just going to fucking do it, you know? And it's, it always happens like that. It's like, you might have a little bit of nervousness just before the, there's no, usually no curtain these days is, you know, when the lights come on. <laughs> but, um, but once you're in it, man, you're there to have some fun. You're there because you love doing what you do. You're there because you wrote it. You're there because you sang it. You're there because that's where you're supposed to be. You know, I always have to go back to poetry, right? That's what I did because it, I was too shy to sing. And then I started singing. So poetry started that. That was my songwriting start. And the other girl that sings in, in Chic, I wrote a song for her um, back in the day. Like this was, I went to see um, Chic with, um, Steve Jankowski, who's one of the trumpet players, one of the horn players in the band, with his wife, I, she she treated me to a night, um, and we went to see um, Nile Rogers open for Cher maybe three four years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, not no, and I had already written a song for Kimberly back. Uh, had shout out to Tony Moran who I co-wrote that song with, and Mike Greenlee also on that track. So I didn't even know Kimberly. I just wrote the song. You know, a lot of times you write with these people or, or write or sing for these people and you don't really meet them in real life. It's just, sure. you know. Um, but then I uh, I wrote another song for her through a group called The Shapeshifters. And that time I was in the studio with her and something happened. I still honestly don't know why the other girl left, but they needed a singer to sub for her. And Kim brought me in. So, and she brought me in as knowing me more as a writer, honestly. But I, I sing her demos. I sing, sang the demos before she replaced them with her own voice. So she knew what to sing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I actually um, got to be there. And at first, I thought I was going to come in and sub, you know, just fine with. And um, Niall asked me to stay after I, after I did a couple of gigs. Yeah. Yes, I mean, how magical that you get to say that Niall Rogers pays your bills. That's I know, and (laughs) and that is so fucking cool. (laughs) When when I first talked to him, he called me. I was coming out of CVS, and he calls me (laughs) on the phone. He calls me on the phone. He goes, "This is Niall Rogers," and I I turned into like the geekiest. I was right back into high school. Like, oh my god, oh my god, you know. (laughs) And I told him that. Um, I have a son named Niall and the phone went like completely silent. And I think at that point I might've lost the gig because he thought I was a stalker. You know what I mean? She's She's crazy. Forget it. (laughs) it. I said, no, 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 no. It's like, I know I named him after the river. I just, I'm sure you were named after the river, you know, it was my husband's idea. It was my husband's (laughs) idea. (laughs) But, um, and how he's, not my he's not my favorite one. I've got two. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear his like trepidation on the phone. Like, oh my God, who is this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. What did I get myself into? Exactly. But, um, there you go. That's, that's, uh, that's my story. I, no, that's, yeah. a, that's great. See, and we, we talk, I mean, the intro of this podcast is that art is a ripple effect. And it's like, you know, you do, you create something and it's a drop in a bucket, but it's those ripples that happen down the line that like bring it all back home. And it's, and it's like, you just never know as long as the intention to create is there, like something's always going to come back, you know? Yes. In in some way, you know, like even, you know, even this interview today, you know, you did a class with Austin Pendleton and then there, you know, and here we are. Yes. And what was that? So when we met, um, is acting something that you've thought about pursuing or have pursued or, or yeah. 
the reason acting came into my my life, I never really pursued it because my as I, as I said earlier, my sister was the actress in the family, and so I never wanted to like compete in her pool of you know what she did like and music came more naturally to me anyway. Um, but having been almost like a momager with both of my boys, I was constantly being pulled into acting like, oh, you know, why don't you try this role? You know, you're sitting here waiting for your kid. Have you ever done any acting, you know? And it, I started to do more and more. And I said, well, if I'm going to do it, let me learn what I'm doing. And I, I did find that I was a bit of a, I think, I think like being on stage, once you're on stage, transferring from singing to acting is a lot less of a leap than somebody that's just starting cold, you know? Sure. Uh, I'm still not good at the auditioning part, which is probably why I'm not doing it full time. But um, people that are good at auditioning are psychos. I'm no. like, oh my God, Jenny. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I, I wish I, my sons have it actually. They, they, cause they've been doing it so long. Um, auditioning doesn't make them nervous, but it's huh. still, it's still, I feel like you're undressing me with your eyes. Or half the time, they're not even giving you the, the, the respect of looking. I've been in auditions where they didn't even look up. They were on their, yeah. they're like, go ahead. I'm like, you know, Same. Exactly. Like, exactly. Bother. exactly. And Plus, so, so you ever find okay. like as you get older, like for me, my eyesight is not the same as it was when I was a kid, and so if I have to read, I have it's almost like I have to be off book to even think about auditioning because reading is such an issue for me now. It's like a mind fuck in a way, you know. What I mean? Like I just can't, I can't. Do so it. now, if if they're like, "Hey, can we give you this cold read real quick?" and you're like, "Oh Jesus!" <laughs> exactly. Now I'm like. All of the uh, problems like, are hitting I, me at the same time, you, you know? You're like, can I sing for you instead? Like, 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 can I do a soft shoe for you? <laughs> you know? I, like, I hate yeah. it. I'm, I'm never like auditioning. It's like, but I've, I've always gotten gigs from people seeing me on stage, and that includes singing. See me on stage doing what I do, you get it. If you want me to just stand cold and like, ugh, ugh, that's the worst for me. And so you... You're an artist, your husband's an artist, you've raised two artists. Um, have you, your two boys who are, when, when y'all see Audrey's photos, she has two college age children and she looks like she's in high school because like uh, she's, <laughs> she, has kept it, she has kept it tight. Okay. Yeah, let's so, do it. I wrote a note earlier when you were starting this interview and I was like, um, have you, for for their artistry, because you know how bad this business is, for that they chose to go into it though, like for their artistry, but also for them as a children, did you instill in them what you didn't have, or did you try? Did you instill that confidence from that seven year old girl who didn't have it? Was it, you know? Yeah, uh, I I try to. It's always a question, like when when you have kids who do this at a very young age, you're always constantly thinking, okay, am I living vicariously through my kids? Am I a fucked up mother? You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I thought that a lot, but yeah. that said, I had this, especially my oldest who paved the way for my youngest. Um, he was, I, you know, when you have a boy, you stick him in little league, you do all the things that boys do, you know what I mean? And he was always the kid out there doing Michael Jackson moves and like, you know, behind third, third base. He's just wasn't, he wasn't that kid. You know, he, he was a natural, he danced before he could walk. He sang before he could talk. He's a natural. So, um, I, I, I can 
honestly say that I just followed where he led me. Mm. Uh, for my youngest, though, he was the one watching his oldest get all the shine because he's a natural ham and, and loves to perform. And I look back at videos of, um, of Cole, my youngest, and he's my Cole is saying, is it my turn? Is it my turn, mommy? And I'm so like oh. giving Niall all the attention. And Cole is the one that ends up booking Kinky Boots and then becoming Simba and Lion King for a year. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Niall's, you know, tried out for Lion King, never made it. So Niall has huh. his own his own um, successes, plenty of them. But uh, funny how Niall things happen is, that way. I've seen and people can look him up. He's a fantastic dancer. Yeah, he's a fantastic dancer. dancer. And he's starting to write songs now. And he's, he's he goes by NB Talented on Instagram, which is nice. He's got a lot of lot of uh, followers. And yet, just yesterday, shot a video for one of his songs. So, and he's going to um, be in a new. It's actually not a new series. Second season of a new series on Hulu um, that he'll be talking about on his Instagram page soon. So he's got a reoccurring role on that. So he's doing very well. That's very fantastic. Yeah. Well. Love Thank that you. it's just like, I mean, talk about a ripple effect. Goodness, you're raising uh, the next generation of incredible artists as well. On top of yeah. making your own incredible art. Jeez, Louise, talk about a superstar. It's, <laughs> it's, I told you. We're, I'm we're called kinda, over. We're lucky. We're we're lucky. But I, again, we all we always go back to the intent, right? Because that's the only thing you can control, right? Mm -hmm. All totally. of us. And um, you create it and give it all you fucking got and um, don't sleep on any promotion that you can do for yourself. And then you just, and then you just keep the faith. Well, Audrey, I'm going to take it. I'm going to steal Tom's thunder again. Cause I think I'm enjoying, <laughs> I'm enjoying the darkness today. Um, <laughs> we're going to one last sort of question before we start to close out and talk about shameless plugging all of your product uh, projects. What, do you have, having like sort of stopped and started, had, having had some sort of, you know, fits and starts, which I think is absolutely essential, do you have any regrets? Because you could um, have been a nurse. I could have been a nurse. I, you yeah. know, the regret was who I was as a kid, um, taking so long to stop listening to the naysayers and mm. to the doubters. You know, it took me probably into my late 20s before I finally shoved that stuff out of the way and just jumped into the pool of life. Um, just silencing, you know, if I, if I had a regret, I wish I could have silenced my demons earlier. Mm. Uh, but that said, I've managed to get to it and, and own who I was and am and um, and so it's not really a regret, you know what I mean? It's more so um, just looking at the picture and saying, "Hey, you sure stuck in that mud for way too long, Audrey. You could have you could have kept it stepping, you know what I mean? <laughs> Where are all those people now that told you that you're not enough? They're nowhere, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They were too busy putting other people down to work on themselves. So reach, you know what I'm saying? So oh. is that a regret? Not really. It's just a. It's just a a view, you know, of what I could have, I could have done differently if I was a stronger child at the time. But I, you know, there's reasons why I was who I was. And I get that too, you know? Yeah. Well, you still fucking crushed it. So. 
And with that shameless plug, Audrey, what uh, if uh, for our listeners who are have undoubtedly become enamored with you, where can I feel, they? I feel the, the keyboard clicking of the Google with Audrey Martels. Where do we find? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we uh, listen to your music? Um, how do we go see you live? What? Uh, where? Where can our audience find you? Well, the Voxies will be around, and there, and we're going to continue to build that um, that band up as best as um, we can with everybody. I'm not the only person that um, also tours with other people. So we come together and we're, we're building this as we go and trying to also uh, work whatever jobs that we have to do on the side also. So, but they're not going anywhere. We're going to continue to build that and on the, and keep going up. Um, as far as my website, it's archimartels.com. Um, but the Voxies is the voxiesband.com. And um, I'm on Instagram. It's Martells with an S, although you might find me without the S because when I did my Lifeline CD, I dropped the S. Don't ask me why. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's been confusing people ever since, Dolly. And this summer, if you're abroad, she will be touring with Niall Rogers. Niall Rogers, Chic. yes, and Chic. And um, we're going to be uh, in the UK mostly, um, heading to Venice in May for a few days. And then just all around, uh, all around Europe throughout the summer, which we did last year, also was mind blowing, mind blowing. And I would say well, to people, um, go to YouTube um, because not only like are you doing backing and everything, like he gives you solos. This woman and the other woman whose name I do not know, so I don't know if that's Kimberly who you're talking about, kill yes. it on "I'm Coming Out." Like in front, uh, like and it's everyone should go watch it. It's chilling. I love it. Uh, so, like he gives the whole beginning to you. It's awesome. It's so much fun. It really, I mean, you know, I'm coming out was my high school. I'm really dating myself right now, but who the hell cares? It was my, it was my high school theme song. Like, you know, you have a graduation song. That yeah, was yeah. my no. graduation song. So it's so crazy. I mean, it's, I, I laugh, I laugh at life because it, it as much as people try to like tell you that there's a, you got to do this, you got to do that. You got to do this. And if you do that, then you'll get this. There, that, none of that is true. And none of this makes any kind of sense, which is what's so wonderful about it. You know, you just never freaking know. And the only job you have is to create your intent, create your, your, your art or whatever it is that you do, do it, and then let the universe figure out the rest. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus, well, that's, take a, the wheel. that's a lovely way to uh, to close out. If that's not if that's not an, an incredible sort of button, um, Audrey, thank you so much. This was just the best time. Um, uh, I loved listening to your story, and I'm certain that our audiences will too. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your you. precious time. And thank before you. before we go, do you want to um, sing us off with a little something for like 10, 15 seconds, <laughs> like something original, something okay. you want to give us? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to read my lyrics because this is a song that I posted with my dear friend, Etienne Sedgwick. It's a song called Ain't So Bad. It ain't as bad as it seems. And I might mess up the lyrics a little bit, but we posted this during the the pandemic because I was writing, I was writing a play and I am still writing a play, but it's going to be the play that takes a lifetime to finish apparently. They um, all do. Yeah. And actually, Thomas, you you inspired me, you know. To, oh, stop! To, no, uh, you did to even tango with like trying to write 
you know, I've always written songs, so I've never really written anything script wise. And it's a beast. So hats off yes. to you to even know. Thank you. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. That's why it's taken so long. But I just got the music part down. And we, we posted the song that had such a great reaction. So take it easy. Take it slow. Feel the pain, then let it go. Life with all its twists and turns along the way. Life has sorrow, life has blame. First you lose and then you'll gain. It ain't about the cards you're dealt, the game you play. There'll be times your very nature's out of fashion And your slumber filled with nightmares instead of dreams Put your head up, count to ten When tomorrow comes again You might say ain't as bad as it seems that's mm. why it is bad mm. i think i need treat. to do that again <laughs> someone's, someone's cutting onions in my house someone's cutting <laughs> <laughs> i i my for my thought I, I can't believe anybody told you that they didn't know what to do with you I'm like, I just, it drives me, it drives me crazy, but it all worked out. It all worked out. Hey, <laughs> I'm, a, did. I'm, a, I'm a Jamaican girl born in London, raised in Jersey that likes to sing rock, but does musical theater and <laughs> occasionally sings R&B songs, you know what I mean? And I do a little acting on it. I mean, that's why people are like, what do you do with that? It's not their job to figure that out. It's our job to figure that shit exactly. out. Exactly. Yep. It sounds it sounds figured out. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. That was church on a Sunday, honey. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, you for joining blessing. us, Audrey, for doing my this. Blessing, thank you so much. Blessing. Shout out and to teachers. Good teachers. Shout, yes. Always. Shout yeah. out to teachers. So Jenny, when it's been lovely seeing you. Why don't you take us out, my darling? Absolutely. Thank you so much again, listeners. This was so much fun. And I'm sure you guys had just as much fun as we did listening to the incredible Audrey Martels. Um, you know where to find her. You know where to find us. As always, subscribe, drop us a review, throw us some stars. You know all the engagement algorithm things that need to be juiced. Tell your friends. We hope you're inspired by this. We certainly are. Um, and as always, we'll see you next week. Right, Tom? See y'all. We will see you soon. Yes, we are here forever. Wow. You're not living. We're never. We're never leaving you. No, that's it. Awesome. It's, it's done. <laughs> All right, bye, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to the Unusual Creatures. We love telling the stories of these creatives, and we hope you love listening to them. You know the drill. Subscriber, you love listening to pods. Send links to your friends and tell everyone you know about this show. And I mean everyone. Counting the minutes until we meet again. And. Here's your only responsibility in life. Keep being unusual creatures. <laughs>